Fables Around the Table Continuum is a tense horror tale set in space. Our story features adult language and includes subjects and themes that may be upsetting for some audiences. This includes mental health, trauma, loss of autonomy, gun violence, self-harm, and suicide, descriptions of blood and gore, and death. Listen at your own discretion. Vibes are off, Cutler says as he's pacing back and forth in this office, his mag boots snapping to the metal floor. Cutler is a tall, broad-shouldered guy. He's wearing a white tank top that is stained with grease and a flight suit that is the top half peeled down and tied around his waist. He's shaved bald on top but has a medium-length beard that is now gross and matted from repeated stays in the stasis pod, but still he refuses to shave it. Jack and B, you guys are sitting in the damp, dirty, and cluttered logistics office of 2 Palace Mining Station VPS-055. You, along with your ship's mechanic, Duncan Cutler, arrived to pick up a cargo of freshly extracted silicates set to be delivered to a refinery in orbit around Mars, where they will be used to create fiber optics, projection filaments, and hand terminal components. Strangely, however, that shipment was not ready when you arrived. You were hastily ushered to this office and told to sit tight until the logistics officer can come talk to you to sort out the issue. Cutler continues, Roughnecks are nervous about something here. I mean, I don't think you're wrong, but this isn't the first time we've been to a shifty station. Not this kind of shifty. How do you mean? Like, everyone's jumpy for some reason. Do you see that maintenance tech we passed in here? Something's going down. You seem a little jumpy to me right now, Cutler. Look, I don't like people, all right? I didn't become a ship's mechanic because I liked social gatherings. Jack understands, right, Jack? Yeah, I think you see Jack tapping his foot pretty obviously. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't really want to be around these people right now. I just want to get this and get out of here. It feels bad. It feels real bad. I don't disagree. What are we supposed to do? As you say that, B, uh, you hear the intercom crackle. VPS 055 is in lockdown, effective immediately. Please return to your assigned habitation modules. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> you think that means us too? Where are we supposed to go? Back to our fucking ship, I guess. Then let's go. You see a handful of workers run past the bulkhead just outside this office in the cargo bay. Uh, I think Jack pokes his head out. Yeah, you see a crowd of workers have begun gathering in the cargo bay, and you see they seem to be slowly and steadily getting riled up. And as you look, you see up on a U-shaped catwalk that overlooks the entire bay, corpsec officers beginning to come out wearing their standard battle dress and armed with assault rifles. We demand answers! What the fuck is this? We need to get back. Let's go. Where are Vaughn, Morrison, and Cho? You see the crowd is beginning to, to get riled. B is suddenly very nervous about the pulse rifle on her back. Mm-hmm. 
No, I think she's trying to usher the other two out of the room and back towards the ship. Yeah, going out of the room is going into this cargo bay and you can kind of like outskirt your way around the crowd and get to the airlock to the clusterfuck. But as you go to access it, it is locked. It appears that part of the lockdown protocol is to not let ships leave. Fuck. An injury to one is a concern to all. We decided your move. The crowd continues to yell and you see corpsec officers beginning to like come out now with riot gear. B looks at Jack a little helplessly. I think, yeah, Jack shoots her the, uh, I don't fucking know, look. <laughs> mm, I think maybe we need to go um, find some cover. Dear God. You see more workers beginning to file out of the corridors and fill the space in the middle of the cargo area to the point where you'd have to like start cutting through the crowd to try and go anywhere else. Well, can we try and muscle our way through, I guess, to, to get back? To the logistics room? Yeah. Yeah, you try to start pushing your way through a little bit and like you're overhearing muttering in the crowd. There's no way, not with all the work they did. We voted, we voted to unionize and they just vanish. There's no way. The Valkyrie bastards had to do something to them. At this point, do we work for Valkyrie? You don't. Okay. You work for a third-party shipping organization, Herma Botolf. Okay. It doesn't concern us. We just need to... We, we gotta go. We gotta... Yeah. If we can't get back on the ship, we gotta get somewhere secure and let whatever's about to happen just blow over. The crowd is beginning to throw things up at the corpsec officers. You see that the officers are beginning to look nervous. One of them pulls out a megaphone and says, You are in violation of your employee code of conduct. Please comply or be subject to immediate disciplinary action. The crowd only gets more riled up at this, continuing to throw things up there. He starts urging everyone faster. You're beginning to weave your way through the crowd, but you only get about halfway back across the cargo bay to the office that you were put in 25 minutes ago when a gunshot rings out and the crowd ducks and scatters. You don't know if it was a corpsec officer that fired or someone in the crowd who possibly had a gun. In either case, the corpsec troopers open fire. Immediately, B grabs both of them around the neck and drags them down to the ground. Yeah, you guys fall to the ground in chaos. There's screams and blood. People are shot. A worker is holding their gut, blood pouring out. The woman that you heard talking about just wanting to unionize earlier takes a bullet to the head. Cutler is is freaking out. This dude is like trying to like scramble to safety. Um, and actually he grunts and looks down and blood in his hand as it seems like a bullet has clipped him in the abdomen. Fuck. Jack, we gotta move. We gotta go. Come on, Cutler. Yeah, I go like, grab. B's trying to like, yeah. I think we both probably grab a hand and just try and drag him along with us. Yeah. Yeah, you're running across and people are scattering and screaming. These workers are unarmed and it doesn't look like the corpsec officers are letting up. And you manage to get to safety, holding up in a supply locker not far off of the main cargo area and are able to stay out of line of sight. But just hearing the carnage and the death and the screams and the pleas for help. He is going to try to block that out and help Cutler and... See to his wound. Yeah, he's holding the wound, and it looks like you can staunch the bleeding enough. Um, he looks pale. Um, he looks freaked out. He looks like he's in shock. You have to remain calm. You have to remain calm, Cutler. Look at me. All right. All right. All right. It's going to be okay. We're going to get out of this. You just got to lay low. 
you wait here until there's silence. Until a Valkyrie officer finds you and pulls you aside and gets everything sorted out and you're allowed to go. Your reports are taken. Your information is taken. Cutler gets patched up. He's fine. Jack, you wake up in a cold sweat remembering these moments, thinking about it, thinking about that while Cutler survived his gunshot wound, it didn't stop him from taking a swim out the starboard airlock a month later. I need a sec. (laughs) (laughs) My heart is beating describing that. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was really Uh intense. Much like camping. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Shut your mouth. Got to bring the tension back down. Sometime later, B and Jack, Cameron leads you into the commons area of deck three of the clusterfuck. Cameron, you've been meeting with B pretty regularly since you've joined the crew. She seemed really the only member of the crew that was amenable to the therapy that is under the umbrella of medical officer of the ship. And she was worried about Jack. So you decided to sit down with both of them since they shared a past and shared some trauma. Seabold and Delphine, you guys are sitting in here just casually chatting, enjoying some downtime. Cameron, you intended to have this conversation with Jack and B here in the commons, but you see that Delphine and Seabold are sitting here. I think that I would probably, considering the subject material, I don't think that it's appropriate to have in front of others. So I think that Cameron would lead them somewhere else. Yeah, Delphine and Siebold, you you see the three of them kind of come in and kind of glance around and then head else. I think Delphine will just like kind of look around at everybody and decide against saying something, although she looks like she wants to for a second. Siebold is completely engrossed. <laughs> B kind of like waves at Delphine and gives her like a thumbs up as if like everything's fine and follows Cameron out. Yeah, you could probably go up to the bridge. Yeah, considering this is probably more... For Jack's side, I think Jack might feel more comfortable in the bridge. So I think that makes sense to Cameron. Jack, you don't know really what this is about, but follow B and Cameron up to the bridge regardless. What are we doing here, Cameron? What are we... I... We got paperwork to fill out, man. We gotta... Is this gonna... It's gonna take too long. Well, this is just a small conversation, Jack. Um, a couple of times, B and I have been having some conversations and thought that it might be best to bring you in as well to talk about some things that happened in your past. I think Jack stops cold. Well, I'm sure there's uh, if there's anything you want to know about my past, you just uh, go look up my autobiography. He gestures over to um, where Cameron probably has a data slate of, like, various crew information. Like, you can, uh, yeah, you can just pop it right open. You can see anything you need to. Jack. Just a few minutes, please. All right. So, Jack, from what we were talking about with B, you and B had quite a um, very visceral sort of experience together whenever you were basically caught in between a protest that went bad in which a lot of people were injured. I do believe your one crewmate, uh, Cutler, was also injured. 
And all things considered, looking at your lovely autobiography, which um, is quite the page-turner, you do display a couple of signs that are a little bit concerning. Um, a little bit of alcohol abuse, um, sometimes a confrontational behavior. So, really, I just wanted to get you and B together and kind of try to talk about this just a little bit more um, and see kind of how you feel <laughs> about the situation. Yeah, well... First of all, I don't abuse alcohol. I'm quite good at drinking it normally, thank you. <laughs> Second off, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and um, apply for a accommodation for you to get that Understatement of the Year award attached to your uh, to your lapel there, bud. But, um, yeah, no, nah, I mean, it was, it was bad. It was real bad. Uh, I'm talking about it's not going to... Not gonna make that go away, so, uh, not a whole lot of reason to do it. It doesn't make it go away, Jack, but it makes it a little easier. Mmm, I don't know. I feel like burying it way down is kind of the way to go about it. <laughs> it was quite an experience. Even the most hardened people would feel a little shaken by that. I mean, I've been in the military too, so is B. We've had a lot of really bad experiences, so there's nothing to be ashamed about. If there is a little bit of concerns or a little bit of anxiety that comes from a situation like that. And with all due respect, considering what happened to your other crewmate, I think it's very important to at least make sure that your head is in the right place. Especially whenever you're captaining this crew. I mean, as you're talking to him, Jack's probably fiddling with various straps and things on uh, on his outfit. He goes, uh, look, Cutler was a, was a good guy. He didn't deserve to go out like that, even if that's what he wanted. But, uh, that's what he picked. So, not really, uh, a whole lot to do about it. And, uh, thinking a whole lot more about it's just gonna, gonna make it a whole lot harder to do our jobs. So, uh, if we could just go ahead and wrap this up, that'd be just, just Jim Dandy. Jack. Cameron would kind of look over to be kind of like, I don't think that the, the doctor gimmick is going to get very far. She's gonna touch Jack's arm to try and like get him to pay attention to her. As you touch Jack's arm, he probably jumps and looks right at you and then goes back to looking at, you know, cleaning his fingers or whatever he was doing. Jack, I was security officer then. I'm security officer now. It's my job to keep everyone safe. And that means from themselves too. I... If you made the same choice he did, I don't know what I would do. Well, it's a good thing I didn't then. You're all I have left. guys have found yourselves in module five stat sec and medical you were in the station security half of the module and jack tried to open a lock with his gun which caused a big old noise siebold you just got done finding a security officer who seemingly locked himself into a cell and took his own life which is what you were doing when you heard that gunshot go off but you weren't the only one that heard it because the weird tentacle creature that you fought previously 
also heard it and managed to push its way through the smallest space in the hatch door that was mostly being held shut with a chair. You watch it as it unnaturally contorts itself into a tiny space, almost rolling and folding over itself to push itself through. And as it gets through, it lashes its tentacles out on the nearby rails and conduits to launch itself across the zero-g space at you guys. And... It is now flying at you. It's toothy maw open wide. You can see straight through it to the space behind. What are you guys doing? I file a complaint to Matthew Mercer for putting toothy maw in the collective consciousness. Toothy maw. (laughs) (laughs) So who who is the closest to the creature right now? Yeah, so Jack was on the stairwell, the bottom of which is like on the very, very far end. It's almost near the hatch to PMA 5-4, which continues on to module four, which is a door you guys have not gone through yet. B was also there. Yep. B is also right there. Seabold just came up the ladder from the brig below, which is also in that general vicinity. So I guess the question is, Delphine, um, where were you at? Mm, That is a wonderful question, Nick, and I'm so glad you've asked. There's a door (laughs) about midway down the module back into the sick bay, which that's the way you came through. This module being kind of split in half. The first Mm -hmm. half being the med bay, the second half being the security. And then the monster is now coming into the med bay, launching itself through the med bay directly at you guys into station security. I'm going to say that I think Delphine was closest to the next door over. Okay, so you guys are all kind of towards the back end of this module bend. Is Seabold here or is Seabold down below still? Seabold no, came I'm up. A, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I say we cheese it. You guys are all on the central deck, Deco 51B. How quickly do we think it's going to get to us? You guys probably have like 20 seconds to do something. All right. Cheese it. Yeah, right, kids. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's time to cheese it. Uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get towards that door, kids. And Jack, uh, we are in zero G, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jack is going to push off uh, from the top of the staircase, heading towards the door to 5-4. Yeah, you do it. Uh, That door is shut, but there's a panel right there. Um, You can hit it with a hand, and it opens into an airlock-like hub, same as, like, the joining hubs, these PMA modules that connect the main modules. There's an identical door on the other side, and the paint on the wall indicates that this hub is going into module 04 ECLSS which is environmental control and life support system. Is there a manual lock for the door in this area? Like a like an emergency airlock kind of kind of engaging thing? Uh no. Same deal as the other doors which you had to like manually barricade shut. Right, right, right. It is possible for them to like shut and bolt themselves shut in the event of decompression, but that's all controlled by Isaac and it requires orange level clearance or higher to activate that manually. And we do not have that. No, you only have a green fob right now, which is required to go through the door. It, it recognizes the fob's proximity automatically when you move near it to hit the control. All right. Well, um, yeah, Jack's just going to motion towards everyone, just uh, doing the whole circular hand point, like, go, 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 kind of deal. Are there any large, heavy things near the door? I would say within like 50 meters of the door that maybe could be easily moved. I know we're in zero G, but like, I have an idea. There are a bunch of desks in here because mm-hmm. it is like the police station, basically. Mm-hmm. However, all the desks are bolted to the floor. 
Mm -hmm. Chairs are also bolted into the floor, but like in the previous modules, there are little spring-loaded pins in each leg that pull it loose from a bracket to actually move the chairs. Okay, I'm just going to hold on to that information. Okay. And make my way through the door. Yeah. Um, it is possible for all you guys to move into PMA 5-4 within this time if you wanted to try and do that and shut this door before the thing gets there. It's going to be a die roll whether or not the door can shut fast enough, though. Yeah, I think that's what we're doing. We like that okay. die roll. Um, <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that its weird electrical powers are going to make it able to short it out anyway, but, like, we can live in hope. We can we can hope we have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I like hope. Yeah. It's something I don't have a lot of in this campaign. <laughs> Not like I've given you much reason to hope. <laughs> Valid. Don't I have, like, the EMP thing? Do you? Oh, yeah, because we made the thing. Oh, yeah, we should check and see if that does anything to it. I'm not going to yeet it at it, but, like, if one of you guys want to. <laughs> I don't have it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to... Okay, I, I think I'm going to do that. So, like, as we are getting into this airlock, I guess I'm just going to, like toss the EMP out at, I mean, like, what kind of range is it going to have? I don't know. I guess I'm not going to think about it much. Well, in zero G, it will carry on until it hits something. Sure. So it's a matter of how well you aim it on where yeah. you want to throw it. Okay, so, like, is there, like, an inner wall that will, like, it can throw it at? Or, like, I'll just throw it at a desk. I'll see. I'll throw it at a desk, actually. Let's well, there's the dividing wall between station security and the medical. Perfect. I'll go for that then, so that way yeah. it's like hitting the station security side. Yeah, I think it's trivial to do that. You're basically throwing it directly away from the door you're going through. Mm -hmm. um, it's either going to go through that door into medical or hit that wall, which is still, you know, probably 80 feet away. So uh, what does this device look like? Um, it's, it's, uh, it's Cam's communicator. Um, I took the I took the battery from it and combined it with the hand welder. So it's kind of a cobbled together little device that um, no one would be able to know what it does until I tell them what it does. Got it. It has like your hand terminal like filament screen, which looks translucent when it's not lit, attached to a bracket, and it's the electrical components from the tools that you stripped on the other side too. It actually looks like two copper coils with all like the protective covering pulled off, and everything is sort of wired together into a repurposed electrical board in like a sturdy case that's you know maybe six six or seven inches long and like two or three inches uh, tall and wide. It's like a brick. It's a fucking electrical brick. It's an electrical brick. Um, so yeah, you yeek that thing. You turn it on, the screen lights up, and do you have it on like a timer sort of thing, like a grenade? Yes. So it's basically set to do like a six-second cooldown, like or tower countdown rather, six-second countdown. Uh, okay. So you throw it, and then there's six seconds, and pew. yep. So you throw this thing. And it just sails through the zero-G as the creature is moving forward. Jack, are you trying to get the next door open to keep moving? Yeah. Okay, so you you do that. The door is opening, and you guys continue to like start trying to move through. You watch the creature move past this EMP, and there's not like a flash. It's not a flashbang or anything. But as it's rotating through the air seabold, you see its screen light up and flicker and catch like just a few little sparks on some of your soldering that wasn't quite perfect. And the creature stops and it like relaxes its tentacles in the air and continuing to drift and reaches out 
to stop itself on some like conduit and bar in the ceiling. And you see it's like mouth relax and it turns and then it zips directly at the ENP. Its tentacles grab it and ensnare it and pull it close to itself. All of its tentacles pulled close so the whole body is only maybe about the size of a basketball now. As it's now grabbed and hugging this electronic device to it. And the door shuts. Yeah. Did we just make it stronger? I, you know, with our luck. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, it gave us some time, so I mean, I guess that's good. But. Yeah. So we might as well use that time and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, while we're moving into the next room, um, Jack's gonna look at uh, Seabold and just go. So, did you uh, <clears throat> you find anything down there in the basement? Uh, yeah. There's actually somebody down there that I think um locked themselves into the brig, and they have an orange access fob. And I think it still requires orange to get in? No, it, it requires yellow to get through that. Door. Requires yellow to get in. Okay, cool. All right. Cool, cool. Well, that's good to note down. Just mark that on our mini maps. <laughs> so, um, this room that you're in, well, first things first, are you taking any precautions to try and, like, secure this door behind you? Can we try and physically force the, the locks that normally require the, the higher access? The one thing that you might be able to do, you don't know how much time it would take, is Siebold may be able to just deactivate the opening and closing mechanisms, like just removing the pneumatic pistons. Oh. Jack will propose that in character. <laughs> do you want to say it in character? No, that'd be terrible. <laughs> what, what are we doing this, like, for some sort of entertainment here? No. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, Siebold, uh, we don't, um, I don't think we got the right key card to, to shut that thing down. I don't suppose you might... Um, able to jam some some chewing gum or something in the uh in that their piston to like maybe make it not open or something i i mean i want to pretend like i don't know how this shit works i guess i kind of do but i think you know a whole lot more than i do bud uh yeah i think i can probably do something here and uh you'll just see seabold kind of rummage through like some some pockets and stuff that he's got and yeah he'll just try to find something to jam these uh pistons with uh, while he's doing that, B is, like, guarding the door, like, gun ready, pointed at it in case it comes through again. Yeah. Let me describe the module that you're in. You're in another full-size module. There are several decks on this one. The one you're standing on is labeled Deck 041A, Portable Water Processing. You see there's a ladder that goes up to a deck above labeled Deck 042A. And then looking up that ladder, it looks like it goes even up to a, a, a third deck up there. There are stairs that go down one level, kind of in the center of this module, and then stairs that go back up to another deck on the far side. And you can see that there are two decks above on that side as well. Basically, ceiling and sides of this room are covered in pipes and tanks. This is environmental control and life support systems. And you see terminals kind of on each deck that seem to control different aspects of the station's waste management, water reclamation, and atmosphere control. And you do see an Isaac terminal that is down the steps in the center on the lower deck. And there is also a, a hatch that seems to go down below into the floor there as well, into a PMA that goes onto a branching module from the main ring of modules in the station. Um, according to your map, that goes to module 4B, which is the greenhouse. 
Resisting the out-of-character urge to go to the greenhouse. <laughs> Resisting the in-character urge to go to the greenhouse. <laughs> what kind of shit they grow in here? Yeah. <laughs> Check out their they got that space good weed. Yeah. No. Uh, all right, uh, Delphine, did you um, you grab that that last Isaac ter- uh, terminal, right? The um, oh, uh, you know the the data packet we were looking for. Uh, you guys did not uh, get any Isaac terminals in the last module because it looked like they must have been up in the locked offices above mm-hmm. um, somehow. Mm, which sure. which requires a yellow fob. That's right. Um, but I am correct in remembering Delphine grabbed it the last time, right? Well, in module six, I guess. I think so. Either way. Um, yeah, Delphine, If maybe if you want to, like, if you want to start accessing that terminal, I have a weird idea about Seeing if we can't set up a trap for our uh, horrible, horrible nightmare friend here in this in this room full of water. Oh, you know, sometimes I think you might have actually good ideas in there. You know, I try every once in a while. Um, so I'm gonna do that. Um, I don't recall uh, offhand what these look like and how I might go about moving forward with the the terminal for this. You know that it is voice activated. And from your previous experience, you just walk up to a terminal and say, Hey, Isaac. Hey, Siri. Because <laughs> everyone's house is <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Google. Alexa? <laughs> Let me just trigger everybody's <laughs> smart home devices. <laughs> so yes, Delphine goes and says, Hey, Isaac. Greetings. How can I be of service? Isaac, I'm going to need access to computer and data management. Excellent. I am pulling up the station's computer and data management systems. This does require authorization. Please enter an authorization PIN. She enters the PIN 960873. PIN accepted. We have one data packet available. It is an audio file. Would you like me to play it? Yes, please. Um, hi, head of sec Johnson. You weren't in your office, so um, I hope you don't mind my reaching out by voice memo. I wanted to talk to you about Continuum's current security protocols. We've uh, been dealing with a handful of reoccurring issues related to the Bob-based security authentication system the station is currently utilizing. Lost and and damaged fobs are happening at a higher rate than I'd like, plus we we have some instances of crew sharing fobs for whatever reason. And uh, with all due respect, these type of inconsistencies make the system vulnerable. That being said, I would like to propose a solution. While running some routine updates, I noticed that Isaac inherently possesses the ability to scan crew CNIs at terminals and bulkhead doors. I mean, it would be trivial to copy SecFob authentication data and install it on user CNIs so they no longer even have to carry a FOB. In fact, I already took it upon myself to rig up a prototype and a partition on Isaac's subsystems. It's mostly like a proof of concept more than anything. It currently lacks some basic security redundancies. For example, right now there's nothing stopping one's FOB data from being copied to multiple CNIs at once, or one CNI from holding authentication data from multiple FOBs simultaneously. Sorry, I'm rambling. Um, the point is, it's not done. But it works well enough to prove this sort of thing could work. I'd, I'd be happy to run you through a demo if you can spare the time. Just let me know. IT specialist Hayashi, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but we are a top-secret corporate research station with a permanent personnel roster of 42. 
Not a sprawling campus with thousands on the payroll like you might be used to back on Earth or Mars. I am confident our current SEC protocols are sufficient as they are. I strongly suggest you keep your attention firmly on the task to which you are assigned. At the bare minimum moving forward, any further suggestions should at least be funneled through your supervisor. Mm, wow, rude. Yeah. Rude, but also potentially... Good for us. A thing we might find. It sounds like it's a function built into Isaac's current systems. Is it only accessible from this module? Uh, it doesn't seem like it. Okay. Hmm. Do we want to see if we can access it and maybe get into these locked rooms? I mean, that would be extremely cool. Yeah. <laughs> if you're following the group, I say do it. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that Seabold is still jamming these pneumatic pistons unless that's been done. I'm going to need you to make a roll, but I'll get back to you there. Sure. Okay. It's going to take a couple minutes regardless. Yeah, I figured he's just busy. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to ask B to uh, come along for some trap setting whenever that is convenient. Sure. So Delphine, mm -hmm. what do you want to do? Um, I think she's just going to narrate to herself to everyone else while she's accessing this new potential helpful program. Um, I don't think that she would actively like stop everyone else to and like to to pass along that information although I think that that would be something that she would do should this current loop end and send us all back but she's not going to be secretive about it either so I guess when she is doing so she'll um just like raise her voice which I am not going to do for the sake of everybody else and also me but <laughs> Um, she'll ask Isaac to access the, uh, test systems aspect. Certainly. Accessing test systems. This partition requires authentication. Can you provide a security pin? <laughs> she looks, uh, skeptical, but she gives the same pin that she used for the other program. Pin not valid. Hmm. Hey, Isaac, can you tell me... The last place that IT specialist, was it Ning Hayashi? Um, tell me the last place that Ning Hayashi used their fob. Certainly. Accessing security. Bulkhead logs. Please enter yellow security clearance. God damn it. I would flip the tables if they weren't bolted to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac. <laughs> Give me a list of people. So you're la you're asking for a personnel list? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> can it be downloadable, uh, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Chat GPT, can you send me a list? Oh, I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, Nick, you want to just riff us like I don't know twenty names just right off the top, like. Um, actually, Isaac begins doing that. Doctor Selena Volokova, Doctor Ross Galloway, Doctor Vanessa Conley, D Kim. Dr. Navia Chandra, Dr. Edsel Schreiber, Dr. Luis Abenez, Mike Delacroix, Diana Shepard, Lawrence Johnson, Dr. Samantha Wall, Joseph Abram, CNP, Daria Aldis, Dr. Umar Krishnan, Gavin Price, Senta Nicastro, Vincent Davies, Akbar Noguera, Hassan Owens, 
Siobhan DeLang, Felicia English, Emmanuel Barros, Hannah Strickland, Dennis Holzer, Joel Klein, Ira Darnell, Ning Hayashi, Theron Huffman, Valeria Milton, Oren Ford, Amy Garrett, Bradley Alvarez, Tanya Reed, Zawadi Martin, Israel Fritz, Winston Summers, Lionel Pennington, Oscar Bradford, Leroy Wilkerson, Elise McLean, Wayne Dodson, Sung Laura. <laughs> Was that your Patreon list? Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> no, I already named the entire station personnel. Wow. And I... their jobs and their gender and pronouns Look, and their security clearance. Impressive. <laughs> I am not surprised given that I knew you did that for Voidfarer before that was even started. Uh, Gavin Price, uh, B kind of drops her guard a little bit and turns her head to look over at what Delphine's doing. Like actually seems to be paying attention. Hmm. Yeah, that is a name uh, both B and uh, Jack would recognize. Mm-hmm. I, I, Adam Seats, have forgotten. Why do we remember that? Uh, Valkyrie. Ah, right. He's your Valkyrie handler. Right. He owns my debt. Um, Delphine will specify for yellow clearance, yellow security clearance personnel's names. Yellow security clearance belongs to Joseph Abram CNP, Daria Aldis, Akbar Nguera, Siobhan DeLang, Amy Garrett, Bradley Alvarez, and Tanya Reed. Isaac, where is the closest yellow security level personnel member? Certainly. Accessing security. Bulkhead logs. Please enter yellow security clearance. <laughs> well, it was a thought. She says to no one in particular. <laughs> You've now entered a feedback loop. <laughs> the irony. Um, hmm. So we have to find somebody with a yellow, at least, to access the security things to access this program is what we've found out. I think at this point, Delphine will look up and be like, mm, does anyone else want to talk to Isaac? I'm not really sure I can get any more out of it besides that there could be a potential test system that'll get us the FOB access, but we need yellow clearance to get it. Yeah, let's hop over to Seabold first. So Seabold, uh, you're trying to jam the door shut. Go ahead and make me a roll. Um, you can use engineering, jerry-rigging, or anything along those lines that you think fits. Just let me know what you're doing. Let's go ahead and do engineering then. Yeah. Uh, that is, oh, that's a that's a 93 on the die and I have a plus 20, so. Um, yeah. The tools you have doesn't look like they're fully going to cut it for the heavy-duty nature of this bulkhead. Sure. You know exactly what you need back on the ship. Mm -hmm. You just didn't mm -hmm. bring any of that with you. Yep. But it does take you a handful of minutes to, like, have a go at it. But you're not, not really making any progress. Mm -hmm. B, you were just standing guard. I'm trying to provide cover to Seabold should the monster get through because I imagine he's right by the fucking door. Yeah, he is. Um, okay, so you're standing over his shoulder. You're with your gun raised mm -hmm. just in case. Mm -hmm. Jack, what are you doing? Uh, Jack would like to peruse the room to see... Actually, here, let me let me walk you through my thought process and you tell me maybe if I see anything that might help or what I might need to do to find something. Sure. Um, because boy, how to do... I love environmental storytelling. Mm -hmm. 
so you said there's a bunch of water tanks and pipes and things in this room, correct? Yes. Um, now, given that this is a spaceship, I'm willing to bet that a lot of them are, like, quadruple reinforced. So, like, a simple, like, I'm going to shoot me a pipe and then have water shootouts probably not going to work. But my thought is, if this horrible alien creature is some sort of electronically based thing that dousing it in water is going to short it out. Um, so with that in mind, does it look like perusing this area, um, if there might be any sort of either like tank of water that we might be able to shatter onto it or lure it into, or uh, perhaps any pipes that might have like a manual release, like pressure valve that might, um, you know, like squirt out right there that we might be able to like trick it into getting near or anything like that. Uh, there are all of these things present. The deck below the one that you entered in on, deck 04A, is wastewater and urine recovery. Um, there's a bunch of tanks there. So on the level that um, Delphine is on, but to the left and to the right of her, uh, deck 04B is waste management. The deck by Seabold and B right now is potable water processing, which has many tanks and filters and pipes and stuff. This entire room has these things. Okay. However, I think as you are kind of moving around, you see blood on the floor um, over on a Deco 41A, which is near the door to PMA 43. Okay. I'll investigate the blood. Actually, in fact, I will uh, reach out on our comms and say, Hey, um, I think uh, I think there might be a dead body around here somewhere. I'm going to go check it out. And then I do that. Yeah. So... It looks like there's blood on the floor here. I'm floating a little bit in some places, um, but it looked like this happened when there was gravity because mm. it's it did look like the blood like fell to the floor. And it looks like there was some sort of fight here or something. Um, you don't see a body, but you do see a smudge uh, handprint on the access terminal to PMA-43. And what you do notice is there is a bloody hand terminal floating there. Oh. I'll grab it out of the air and I'll poke around at it and see what I can find out. Yeah, it seems that the hand terminal belongs to Hassan Owens. He is a level two security clearance engineer. Hey, Delphine, didn't you um didn't you need some kind of yellow security clearance password or, or something there a minute ago? Yeah, I needed to get into the test systems. Do you have one? Uh, I'm gonna find out. And Jack starts poking through it to see if uh, someone has done the extremely uh, good OPSEC thing of putting their password in like a notes app function or something. or uh... <laughs> It does not look like that is a thing. Although when you wake up the hand terminal, you see that it was already on a screen that said remote access to GNC enabled. I'm looking at this. Uh, would Jack have any idea what GNC might mean in this case? Uh, guidance, navigation, and control. And specifically, you see touchscreen controls below for various propulsion systems, um, including uh, centripetal propulsion, which will turn C-Grav back on. Oh, interesting. Oh, but if that's the case, the station doesn't have power, right? The the generator's exploded? The station is on backup power right now. Um, everything is lit with, like, red emergency lights. Oh. Uh, hey, folks, maybe... um. Maybe uh, float on down near the ground here. I think I might be able to get gravity back on in this thing. And I'm going to poke it. This is when you guys start hearing music. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, we got a minute. Let's let's fucking move it, kids. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys doing? Uh, I'm I'm looking through as much of this as I can, just trying to commit as much thing in here as I can find to memory. You were able to access the C grab controls because they happened to be like the last thing that was on the screen when it got dropped. Mm-hmm. However, most of the functionality of the tablet is is behind yellow security clearance. <sighs> Alas. All right, well, that, that's what Jack's frantically doing. What, what's everybody else doing? You guys all start to hear the initial somber guitar of Highland Rose before I disappear. <laughs> um, yeah, Seabolt's just going to say, well, fuck it. We all might as well just spread out and see what we can find in this room over the next, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, search in the area. I want to peek into the greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to the greenhouse, too. I'll search the deck that I'm on. Okay. So I'm just going to kick off in zero G and try to float my way over there to the greenhouse as quick as I can. Yeah, Delphine, you activate the panel. Yeah. It's green level access. So the fob that you guys already have grants you access to it. Yay. The system sensing that there's no gravity, the lift actually slides out of the way. So the doors just open into PMA4B below and that door slides open and you're looking downwards onto a vertical cylindrical module. There's another Isaac terminal down here, and then there's a ladder that descends, and you can see that each deck below the first that you are descending down onto is a large catwalk ring with railings all the way around, and there are vertical pipes that run all the way the circumference of this entire chamber, and then in rings above each level, and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of plants hydroponically growing with vines hanging in some places. Many of it is food plants. Many of it is plants designed to maximize oxygen output. But looking down the ladder, you see a body about halfway down. Gonna zoom towards the body. Yeah. You get there, it looks like a worker that hung themselves, presumably when there was gravity, from the ladder, but you see a yellow fob on their belt. Yes! I snatched that thing right up. Yes! Okay. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. So there's this Isaac terminal that's in here as well, right? Yep, so Seabolt can try and access that while Delphine goes down there. Yeah, I'm gonna try to do that. Greetings, how can I help you? Sup, Isaac, I want to access some files, dude. Certainly. What files would you like to access? Uh, you, you know, I want to pick up a data pack out of the, you know, whatever. You know the thing. Accessing computers and data management. That <laughs> 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 Yeah. We're a hundred years in the future. That's right. AI is sophisticated. Yeah, AI can figure out what I mean. Please present authorization badge or enter authorization pin. 960873. Siebel's just like rattling it off. <laughs> Certainly. I have an audio file here. Would you like to hear it? Yep. <laughs> Dr. Selena Vilikova, head of Xenobiological Research, March 15th, 2118. After exhaustive analysis of the organic material left aboard Object T13, I can safely conclude that we are dealing with the remains of two separate species. The first two specimens, species T13A, were most likely the crew of Object T13. The features of the vessel, to the best we can observe given its odd nature, appear to be designed to interface directly with the biology of species T13A. I intend to explore species T13A further in a future report. The remaining four specimens are species T13B. These individuals share no meaningful similarities to species T13A. 
A species is a 12-limbed, soft-bodied, mollusk-like creature. It has no true mouth, but it does have a tooth-central orifice that passes directly through the creature's relatively flat body. In fact, the species seems to possess no identifiable gastrointestinal organs at all. Two different types of sensory organs reside at the base of each of its 12 limbs. The larger of the two is an eye, surprisingly not dissimilar to the eyes evolved in cephalopods on Earth. As we can tell, we think this creature was only able to see in a narrow ultraviolet light spectrum. The smaller sensory organ below the eye is most likely an incredibly powerful electroreceptor, a node of densely clustered organs that resemble ampullae of Lorenzini. Based on the density and configuration of these nodes, it is most likely the creatures could detect the slightest variations in electromagnetic fields over a great distance. Given these observations thus far, my current hypothesis is that species T13b hunted and fed on electromagnetic radiation for sustenance. I am currently developing experiments to test this hypothesis. Mm. Delphine, you're trying to make your way back up? I would love to tell you that Delphine's doing something helpful, but since the music has already started and she found the fob, she's actually just, like, reveling in being around actual plants. <laughs> so I don't think that we have seen anything green in who knows how long. Jack has plants. True. Jack very specifically. But we haven't <laughs> seen it in a long time. That's true. That's valid. She's breathing in the oxygen. <laughs> yeah, you take a deep breath and exhale and another breath and choke on stasis fluid as you and all your companions wake up on SMS 108. I know my reaction to that would be swearing. <laughs> everyone, Nick Yurisiva here, your warden of this season of Fables Around the Table, Continuum, playing Mothership by Tuesday Night Games. Here's a quick reminder of the talented people on this episode. Caitlin Camp plays Delphine. She is a Fables veteran, having appeared on seasons Lost, Candlelight, and Greetings from Hell. She was also a guest on Tales of the Voidfair. Roger Page is Siebold. He is also a Fables veteran, having appeared on seasons Tainted Love, Lost, and Greetings from Hell. Additionally, Roger plays Remix on our mass podcast, Cape Chronicles. He guested on Tales of the Voidfarer as well, and he's a streamer. Catch his streams at twitch.tv slash Roger. That's M-I-S-T-E-R-R-O-D-G-E-R. Andy, a.k.a. Bam Crash Kapow, plays B. She's a variety streamer, and you can catch her streams at twitch.tv slash bamcrashkapow. Adam Seats plays Jack. They are the co-author of any award-winning D&D 5e adventure, One Night Strahd. One Night Strahd is currently available for purchase on DMs Guild. Tanner Bivens, once again, returns to play Cameron in the flashback you heard at the top of the episode. Once again, shout out to Anna Matthews for voicing the ship's AI, Ava. Anna has also recorded voiceover previously for Fables Around the Table, Tiffany. 
The enterprising IT specialist Ning Hayashi was voiced by Maeve Fox. Maeve is the creator of Foxtail Games. Foxtail Games is a TTRPG anthology podcast currently in its second season running the action monster hunting game Slayers, featuring fables around the table veteran Cliff. Find the show on your favorite podcatcher and at Foxtail Games Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Fiona L.F. Kelly is back, this time as the voice of Dr. Selena Velikova. Thank you, Fiona, for humoring me as I asked you to say a bunch of science words, all in a Russian accent. Fiona is the executive producer and showrunner of Fables Around the Table. She has GM and played in many Fable seasons, and she plays Falcon Girl on Cape Chronicles and Ravnus on Tales of the Voidfarer. Lastly, as I said at the top, I am Nick Yurisiva, your humble warden. I am the GM of Tales of the Voidfarer, our Emmy-nominated D&D 5e Spelljammer podcast. I've also been on Fable Seasons Curse, Lost, Super, and I play Quasi-Raptor on Cape Chronicles. Special thanks to the band Highland Rose for use of their song Before I Disappear off the EP Dark Times. If you like this show and all the other content we create here at Project Derailed, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash projectderailed. And also join us on the Project Derailed Discord at projectderailed.com slash discord. And be sure to follow us on social media, now including threads at Table Fables Podcast. Memory desync detected. Downlink complete. Good morning, crew. It is 0214 Earth Standard Time on October 7th, 2133, at a solar orbit of Positioning Error. Your wake up song is Before I Disappear by Highland Rose, 2021. B is just gonna get out and start gearing up again. Yeah. But as the others are coming out, She's going to go, so it liked a distraction, huh? I mean, I think that was, that was pretty good. Are you talking Are you talking about me? Like my distraction thing? Yeah, the EMP. I thought it would do more. I, I thought it would disrupt the creature, but apparently it just likes electromagnetic signals, which also might explain why it just eats your brain, because your brain is also just basically a battery. So, you know, that's fun. Excellent. Um, she grabs her gun and starts going towards the weapons locker, and she goes, I'll distract it. You guys push as far as you can. Okay. I have concerns, but I'm not going to bother wasting time, so... I mean, you can voice your concerns. I expected concerns. (laughs) No, I think Delphine just literally says, like, I have concerns, but sure. Yeah, it's best not to get... Uh, it's best not to get in B's way when when she's on the (laughs) warpath. You got the face on. I'm not gonna say anything. You know, speaking of us being just sacks of electromagnetic signals and water, um, I don't suppose there's anything we got around here that might, uh, I mean, I'm thinking like tinfoil hat, but actually, like, something that might dampen the electrical signals that we're putting out into the, into the universe, is there? Jack asks to everyone, but also kind of looking at Seabold. Uh, I don't know me the player. I think Seabold could, though. Yeah, go ahead and make an intellect check. Um, you can add engineering to it. Okay. Or an engineering modifying your target, I guess, is is what's actually happening. 
Oh my gosh, the stat is what the check is. Is is that right? Yeah, so you're trying to roll below your stat, but using engineering adds to that threshold to give you a better chance. Yeah, this is so funny. Like, I rolled a 49 on the die. My stat is 48. Oh, so close. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm adding I'm adding engineering to it. So, I mean, like, it brings it below Okay, okay. It. So, I mean, with engineering, with, with, yeah. You know. Yeah, but I'm like, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's literally uh-huh. one. Yeah, a couple things. So, like, the idea of, like, a, like a Faraday cage is something that, like, kind of can direct and block electromagnetic signal. But other things like, perhaps, electromagnetic interference can also be used, perhaps, to mask the signals that you and your equipment put off. Also, with that role, you guess that the creature has an easier time finding you the last few times because you've entered after the reactor has blown and the station has gone into auxiliary power, which means there's not as much electromagnetic signal ambiently to mask your guys' stuff. Right. Um... So I'm trying to think, I mean, like, <laughs> this is weird trying to play a character who's way smarter than you are in real life. <laughs> um, so I'm sitting here trying to think about, like, if, how we would generate some interference. So clearly, like, that little hand terminal thing helps in just generating a ton of signal that will attract the creature. But of course, I mean, it'll just, like, kill it and then eat it. <laughs> and, and and then it's it's gone, so... I mean, and that took, what, 15, 20 minutes for me to make that? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably, like, our best bet if I if I don't make, like, a Faraday cage or some shit, um, which wouldn't ultimately be that helpful because we need to move. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, maybe maybe it would be worth it to just go ahead and uh, just go ahead and get as far as we can on the ship. If, if B's going to go monster hunting, then... Uh... Might as well make as, as much use of the time as we can. Yeah, um, yeah probably. Um, would you guys like me to kind of sum up some of the possible objectives here for you? Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Yes, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you discovered a handful of things on the last loop, but we're not really able to act a whole lot on them. So you know that there is a hand terminal located in module four that can return gravity to the station. You do also know that there's a yellow key fob in the greenhouse. With a yellow key fob, you can actually encode the security clearance to your embedded chips so you no longer need to collect key fobs you've already collected on past loops. Because your stasis pods, the memory desync, backs up your CNI data. Ah. Oh, shit. So if you can can collect a fob and sync it to your CNI, it'll remember that security clearance across loops so we've gone from rogue to rogue like <laughs> exploration game i understand yes so you you will still need to find new security fobs to increase your security level um, but once you find one you don't need to find it again on future loops if you take the time to sync it to your cni is that something that we can broadcast out to everyone like for example if b is in one module and the rest of us are in another one is that something where we can just blast it out to everyone's uh, CNIs, or or do we all have to physically be present when um, when we're uploading a new file? That is a great question. I think natively you need to be physically present, but you might be able to jerry-rig something either with Ava or Isaac to network your CNIs together. That would be 
neat. Um, you may have to do that through Isaac, though, because like if you're all on the station, he would have like access to everybody. And once you leave the ship, Ava's ability to do anything with you diminishes. True. Although, I guess theoretically, if if like one of us got one of the key fobs on one run, then like the next time we were all together on the on the ship with Isaac, we could just synchronize it across all of us. Yes, that that would also be possible. Okay. Well, that's fucking rad, to use the technical term. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to give you the that Metroidvania keys you. to make things <laughs> easier yeah. to navigate, <laughs> which was always the goal. Like, the information was there, and, like, I somewhat understood it, but I, w- I couldn't put the pieces together yet. <laughs> so, okay, so this is cool. Hey, hey Bold, when, um, when you found that fella down in the, uh, in the basement in the security area, how um how locked up was he uh i mean it was just behind one door i think and it just required yellow access oh okay well i mean i guess if we can get yellow that's not as much of a problem i was wondering if it was one of those uh like they used to play in that old role-playing game some sort of jury rigging a 10-foot pole with uh, (laughs) a with some chewing gum on the end to go stick it on his security badge and drag him over but yeah it wasn't a iron cell bars. It was like a giant, like two inch thick plexiglass wall. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I'm like it is, you know, With pretty pretty normal setup. <laughs> yeah. All right. Unless well, I mean, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Unless. Unless. Well, then I think we have our objectives. We get to that yellow key fob ASAP, and then sink as many of us to it as we can. And then we can go explore the other stuff that we haven't been able to get to. Mm-hmm. And for your records, um, you have uh, the data, Ira's data from module six, module four, and module four B. Does that also sync to our CNI stuff? No. I guess our memory of it. Yeah, would. your memory of it does. I mean, would we really realistically need it? I mean, if we real living humans in this horrible space dystopia, mm-hmm. like. I'm I'm wondering how how much we would be thinking about I want to stick it to the to the man who done did this mm, to us yeah. versus I would like to get back to reality and out of this horrible groundhog day sure. time loop. Hmm. Yeah. I guess that is the question of like is there any data that like would be our smoking gun that we can grab cuz I don't think we've gotten anything thus far that feels like a smoking gun from any of the terminals. I would say no. No. I guess it just seems mostly useful to us, the players, and also us, the characters, in navigating the universe, almost as though it was designed by some sort of uh, creator what? who wanted us to be able to unlock information. No. What? Yeah, <laughs> we should probably just prioritize, like, if we find a, a data pack that's, like, particularly damning, then we just take that as evidence, you know? Yeah, that's fair. But also, I guess, in, in this world, this is our first proof of aliens, right? Like, yeah. I maybe um maybe that one log describing the uh the creatures that we just found. I guess the one down in the greenhouse. Since we got to go down there anyway, if, if we grab that, that's like a it's like a huge thing like to be able to take to the world and be like, "Hey, we we found a thing." On the other hand, I think we would like to get out of here and then never think of this again. So, I don't know. Um B has thoughts and opinions, but she's not there right now, so That's fair. I will say there is one thing that Jack would like to look for before we abscond. And I'm going to ask you specifically, Nick, in that room, in the the water, in the waste management processing room, did it look like there were any, like, 
points on the pipes where one might attach a hose to. Yeah. Okay. Did it look like there was, those hoses were around? Because if not, I want to go grab one so that maybe if we have to, we'll just have a chance to just spray this thing down with piss or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> spray this thing with, with literal shit. I know. Eat shit, asshole. That's going to be your cool guy line. I wanted to cheer, spray it with piss. <laughs> spray it with piss. That's going to be the official continuum t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is our legacy, You made us guys. pissed off. Now it's time to get pissed on. <laughs> That's Jack's next hat. Oh, my God. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Jack's got some kinks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, there was plenty of hosing and and such in that module. Um, it seems like everything um, that would need be required to like set up like bypasses and and stuff like that for the various you know plumbing, water, and uh, atmosphere systems. Cool. Then yeah, I guess just uh, standard quick action movie gear up sequence, and then uh, Jack is running towards the door to uh, to get in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we go out the door, I was looking at the things that we have. Um, specifically, I want to take two flare guns, a trank pistol, and the combat shotgun. Okay. If I can. Yeah, yeah, totally. Keep keep track of that yourself, so you know what you have. But yeah, you can grab all those things. Cool. Yeah, B's like, B's not even pausing. Uh, does the laser cutter go through doors? Yes, but it would take time. Does it go through aliens? Pro- I mean, yes, but it would take time. <laughs> no. uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would. Uh, it might not be the most practical weapon, but yeah. I mean, if it cuts fucking like steel and you know carbon fiber sci-fi polymer bullshit then sure yeah it'll probably cut aliens so the hand welder does too though right because the laser cutter is like a two-hand thing well the welder is for uh uncutting things specifically (laughs) the cutter's for cutting the welder is literally says it literally says can cut through airlock door does it under (laughs) hand welder it does say that i will believe the system yeah, <laughs> like, sir. It if, it, if, it's, says if it's codified this. by the by by the book, then I will go by it's what like, the book says. Like, look, it's in the Bible. Okay, it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Uh, yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, it's not going to be as good as the laser cutter, obviously. Sure, but I mean, the other thing is also a two-handed thing that's also very heavy. Yeah, so it is zero G. Um, yeah, so. that's true. Unwieldy, shall we say? Aha. Uh-huh. I'm going to take the hand welder, though. I mean, well, it's not initially going to be zero G if we get there before the power is cut, right? No, it's zero G even before the power is cut. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. You waking up in zero G now um, means that the whole station is still under zero G. Um, it appears that the, the station not spinning um, is not related to the power issue. Got you. Cool. We were probably just like chatting right next to the stasis pods while B ran off. So I'm just going to say over the communicator. B, you want to grab me a hand welder while you're down there? I'm sure your arms are, you've got plenty of space. <laughs> you got it. You stay standing next to the dead body of Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have a hand welder? He doesn't have a hand welder, but he's, he's but there. He's dead. I was re- I'm taking the opportunity to remind you guys that he's there. <laughs> oh, that he's dead. he's dead. He's oh. there. He's dead. Okay. Uh, B definitely still cares about that, but she's on a warpath. Oh, yeah. 
Sure. We should have remembered that he was dead since Tanner has been here on the recording the whole time on me. Tanner, you be quiet. <laughs> Tanner is very, very dedicated to playing his role, okay? <laughs> he will show up every every recording and sit quietly. <laughs> One might say he's dead serious. Yeah. I mean, you heard him You heard him on that flashback like an hour ago. That's right. I'm sorry, what is a fourth wall? I don't... <laughs> Been, there's walls uh, so it's the wall that comes after the third one and before the third okay one. cool good talk <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah so b you grab all the things including seabold's welder presumably mm-hmm. okay delphine what are you up to i have been casually taking in this entire conversation and i don't have any other input. <laughs> delphine is is high as shit <laughs> that would be really funny High on all that oxygen. That's maybe. He sat there and took all those I deep breaths. I did take breaths. a lot of deep breaths. <laughs> um, I think she is not super great at dealing with trauma. And we do keep going straight back to poor Cameron. <laughs> and seeing all of this death and seeing all of this like horrific tragedy. So I think I do think that Delphine herself does take a minute each time to be like, okay, here we are. Yeah. Here's what's going to happen. I'm just going to avert my eyes from poor Cameron. This We can't think about this. We can't. But there's no not thinking about it. Yeah. That, I think that so makes you, sense. You're just over there grounding yourself going, what can I see? What are things I can smell? Pretty much. Things I can feel. Things I can hear. We're not thinking about feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, physically feel, but yes. Any of us that make it out of here alive are going to make a therapist just so rich. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bump up yeah, the tax bracket. For sure. <laughs> All right. What's the plan? B is probably going to head out first. She's going to grab Jack and pull him aside. Huh. Do you find a chance to get everyone the fuck out of here while I'm gone? Take it. I think Jack just looks dead into B's eyes. Just a very quick nod. And then a very stupid smile and a thumbs up. She gives him like a half smile back, which is a rarity. And then heads out. All right. Um, you know what I will suggest? Yeah. I suggest we dock at the other docking point at module three. Oh, that's right. We can do that. So that way we can like go to the greenhouse and then go to StatSec after. Can I request that you guys do that after I get off? Could. That makes sense because that'll put you closer to the mm-hmm. monster. And the reactor. Someone has a bit more of a plan. Yeah. Well, easy enough. Sounds good to me. It also gives Jack a chance to run back by the uh, stasis pods and crack open the side of it and grab a beer. Cause he <laughs> I was going to be so proud uh-huh. of you. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. All this trauma. You almost I forgot, almost forgot to, to grip it and rip it. Grab a beer. <laughs> yeah. Shit, I'm going to grab a beer in real life. <laughs> All right. So in that case, if I understand correctly, B, you're getting off and module six mm-hmm. and then you guys are flying the ship over to module three and docking there yeah okay all right i mean b airlock opens you see the dead body of ira floating there and the green security fob um i take the security fob yeah. um yeah she's gonna push in immediately uh she's gonna have her pulse rifle at the ready first and she's going to push into uh module seven with the infrared setting on her eyeball on she's trying to see the monster before it attacks her sure so first things first entering into module six um everything is lit 
very well, actually, because every time you've been in here previously, it's been after the reactors exploded and the ship has been in emergency power. So now you see everything lit with a nice, even white light. You see the large observation cupola directly in front of you where you can see the black hole Mm -hmm. um, out in the distance. And uh, you see all of the bodies of station security officers floating around in here. The now well lit. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to go over well with B, but... She's got a mission, and I think it's in her personality that she would keep with the mission. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, still pushing. She she's looking for the monster. Sure. Yeah. So you take that security fob, and um, the rest of you guys. I might have suggested a slightly stupid plan because I think we need the green security fob to get the yellow one. I was just thinking yeah. about that. But maybe we'll find another one because we haven't actually looked around at any of these other bodies. To That's true. One. We have not. We have not. We've not gone to module three at all. So I don't know. Maybe we'll get lucky. Yeah. So um, Delphine, you undock the ship and begin piling it over. Yes. Okay. Yeah. B, as you enter module six, you see the airlock close behind you. And through the port window, you see the clusterfuck back slowly away. You see a couple bursts of air from the directional thrusters to reposition it as it begins moving to the left over to module three. She's going to like watch it go and then like deep breath and be like, okay, no turning back. Yeah. You head for module seven. The door opens and you see in this chamber, which you've glimpsed into previously, but not actually entered. Mm -hmm. So you enter into this chamber and you see it's another full length module. The deck that you are on, deck 071, appears to be like locker rooms, specifically on both ends. But kind of the middle part of the module, there are uh, ports that look out and you can actually catch from the right hand windows. You can see the curvature of the rest of the station Um catching the glimpse of the side of module eight and module nine stairs descend to the deck below um and you can glimpse down there both walls are lined with stasis pods are any of them occupied not that you can see it okay um it's it's a little tough yeah like i'm just doing like a cursory glance like plus i have the infrared on so i would think i would get some sort of life signs if there was something in there. Right. There's ladders that ascend to the deck above, and you can see there's an opening in the center of that deck, like with railings that look down. You can catch what looks like hygiene stations up there. And you know that this is the crew hab, um, but you do not see bunks. You see stasis pods. Hmm. And being someone who uses stasis frequently, that kind of disturbs you. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. If they don't, the crew of this station doesn't even get to sleep normally. They just get put out when they're off duty. Yeah, fuck that. So there's a couple bodies floating around in here, including the one previously with the busted in visor. But as it rotates there, flashlight kind of in front of it, which is not currently needed, you don't see anything in its helmet other than a face. Previously, the creature was latched onto this face, presumably feeding off of its electromagnetic energy, but the monster is not there currently. Okay. Um, but we know it comes from this direction. Is so wait, it was feeding off that person? Is that person still alive? Doesn't look like okay. it. Okay. Um, I don't know how long the brain I just I'm a biomedical engineer and I don't know how long the brain stays alive after you die. <laughs> um Yeah, I I'm gonna push forward into hang on, map. Module eight. Okay. 
Um, you walk forward into PMA 87. That door slides open. And then the next door, uh, you go to access it and you get uh, a warning from the terminal there. Warning. Depressurization detected in module eight. Okay. That's a problem. Yeah. From this angle now, um, you kind of look back and you can see that there is an Isaac terminal down below near the stasis oh. pods that you didn't catch earlier, but that's also there. That's good to know because I'm also trying to like take note of all the Isaac pods I see on this side. Mm -hmm. um, and I cannot go grab a suit because the ship is gone. <laughs> um, fuck. Give me some time to think about it. <laughs> yeah, that uh, I think that's a great opportunity to hop over to the cluster yeah. farm. <laughs> All right. So it doesn't take that long to reposition and dock at module three, but like it does leave like, you know, a handful of minutes. Yeah, I think Siebold's going to go over and just kind of as, uh, you know, she's kind of doing this trivial task of steering the ship. So like, uh, you know, I, I think that's, I, I just, I can't help but notice that you've been a bit, you know, quieter today. Everything okay? I don't know. It's, it's weird now that I say today. I'm like, I don't know. Which today? Yeah, which today? Anyway, but how are you doing? I think <laughs> Delphine would kind of like give him a side eye, but then look back at what she's doing and just kind of like huff about it and just be like, I don't understand why you think that I shouldn't be upset about all of this, but I don't know. Everything's great, Seabold. <laughs> Everything's fine. I mean, I'm I'm not loving this. Do you think I'm loving this? I don't think anyone is, but I don't know. I just, I don't think there's much to say about it because we're all going to be upset about it. So we might as well just not talk about it and move on. All right. I mean, I'll leave you alone if you want me to, but... I just want you to know I'm here for you and and Seabold will will like touch her shoulder. Hmm. I think for like the splittest of seconds she like leans into the touch and then the rest of that second she pulls away. Seabold is like so there's a chance <laughs> internally. <laughs> Meanwhile, Delphine's just like, physical contact. <laughs> I think Jack sees this happen, and maybe maybe to himself, he's like, that's right, you just gotta bury it way down there. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> never, never feel those emotions. You just gotta push them out and takes another sip of his beer. <laughs> Watching a master at work. <laughs> Delphine's learned a lot from me, I think. I've been a good influence. <laughs> He's just over there like, I'm so proud of myself. I'm doing great. Look at that. You just take all your shit and bury it deep down inside of yourself. Mm -hmm. Delphine studiously being like, I don't have anything in common with Jack. Why would you say anything about that? Hmm? <laughs> I think if if Delphine were to, out of the corner of her eye, look over at Jack... Jack would just be doing the uh, gently inclining the beer bottle as a as a cheers <laughs> over to her for how she handles that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think uh, I think Jack's probably just like checking out, making sure guns loaded, all that fun stuff. Sure. Yeah, and you guys uh, eventually work your way around and dock at module three. Uh, well, I guess Jack will Jack will get up first. Um, all right, let's see. The the map we got, I think, says this is the 
multi-purpose logistics module, which uh, I see bold. It sounds like it's probably something for you. Uh, God knows. But uh, I guess let's be safe. We don't know if anybody's alive out there, although I have a strong suspicion that they are not. And Jack sighs and uh, goes to the airlock. Yeah. You guys go, open the airlock, and much the same way as the last dock, this airlock enters up through the floor of the module. Everything's still zero G, and you enter into module three. It's another like fatter module, like the crew commons module, allowing there to be more spacious decks. And um, you can see why this one is, because it appears to be like the cargo module. Like this is where supply shipments are coming in, um, being processed and moved. You can see that up onto the center deck, deck 031 is general storage. And you see that there's another airlock that goes out to the ESP, the external storage platform. So that's like any tools, equipment, or supplies that do not need atmosphere to be stored are stored out on this like giant rack armature on the outside of the station that can be accessed through that airlock. Now, you see down on the first deck, the lowest deck, deck 030, is the heavy storage. That's where the biggest, largest bulk cargo is. Um, you see that there is a exoloader oh, here, yes. which is not like the alien's suit version. It is- no, but I don't uh, want Not it. at all, no, it's nothing <laughs> like that. I don't want it if it's not like that. Uh -huh. it, it actually seems to be like it's um, designed to be able to move heavy things both in zero G and uh, when gravity is on and uh, it basically kind of looks like an oversized Roomba with gigantic like clampers and it looks like it's at least partially autonomous but you've seen these things before in your work as space truckers basically they basically can sync to a hand terminal and be remote controlled Nick and then you can see from the uh, labeled like you know paint on the walls and stuff the highest deck is uh, deco 62 which is light storage you can see a heavy tools chest on 030 and then a general tools chest on 031 and an isaac terminal on 031 nick before we go any further i have to ask you does this mean there's a chance that we may in fact have dr stabby the roomba <laughs> yes <laughs> what you do with the exoloader is up to you. <laughs> oh, you bet it is. Um, <laughs> no, anyway. Um, hey, Seabold. Um, you want to maybe just keep an eye out and uh, check and see if there's anything useful uh, in that heavy storage there, just in case we got to have something weird. And um, I guess it maybe if one of you wants to... Uh, I guess, Delphine, maybe if, if you want to hit the... the uh, Isaac module, I'll start checking out our uh, our way back in module four. See if we can start getting towards that uh, that yellow key card. Yeah, and we might need to keep an eye out for a green fob. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I realized uh, just after we pulled off the airlock that maybe I should have just asked for that, but, you know, sometimes my brain moves too fast, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's fair. Like Jack does the whole like wipes hand down face, like, or I guess would if because we're we're in exosuits at the moment, aren't we? Or are we? It's up to you if you want to be in exosuit. You didn't wake up in exosuits, okay? But you could have put one on if you'd like. Yeah, <laughs> I think Jack probably did, and just like goes to do the the hand wipe down the face, and then realizes he's got a thing on. <laughs> um, all right. Well, yeah. 
actually, Delphine, you you know where the um, you know where that yellow key fob is. If if you want to maybe go ahead that uh, ahead and get that, I'll go ahead and get the uh, the Isaac module log and see what we can find. For anybody that's like really paying attention, Seabold is extremely red. Actually, upon admitting to everybody in the group that he. Uh, told everybody to move without having the green access fobs. So if you're particularly paying attention, you will see that he is very red in the face and very nervous about that. And he is very glad to also have an opportunity to run away from everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think Jack notices at all. <laughs> that tracks. I, <laughs> I think Delphine would notice that he was flushed and then like put it down to like, this whole situation sucks. And then just like, ignores it um she'll like throw a salute at jack and just start heading towards the greenhouse yeah um so jack you were going to the isaac terminal first or yeah i'll go ahead uh, i'll go ahead and hit that just to see what the uh if we can find that audio log hello how can i be of assistance yeah Isaac. uh i'm gonna need to access the um Shit, we we literally just said this earlier, and did I take notes on what it was? No. You could just say I want to yeah. ex- access some files and shit, and then Isaac will files, go, okay. please, and then it'll be yeah. like, okay, puppies, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be yeah. the new joke. The new joke is that we just say shit that's not a direct command, and Isaac has to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac, I'd like to do the thing that uh, advances the plot forward. Can you do that for me? Thanks. <laughs> Please exchange your prop keeps on. Uh, Son of a bitch, I ain't done found the MacGuffin yet. No. Um. Uh, Yeah. You access the computers and data management, and uh, Isaac says, um, please present authorization badge or enter authorization PIN. Yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, PIN is 960873. PIN accepted. There is an audio file here. Would you like me to play it? Please, and also download it to my uh, terminal. Of course. Dr. Edsel Schreiber, research physicist, June 27, 2123. A summary of observations and hypotheses regarding Objects T13A. Objects T13A are a collection of 31 individual objects found within Object T13, integrated into the interior of the vessel. Much like the vessel within which they were found, these objects exhibit peculiar properties that challenge our understanding of the universe and perhaps even reality itself. The objects appear as roughly spherical armatures that twist and fold on themselves in ways that are impossible to follow with the eye. Topology was never my particular focus of study, however I do believe these objects resemble, at least superficially, Calabai Yao manifolds. They radiate a persistent green light and range in size from 3.2 centimeters to 27.8 centimeters. They are solid and cool to the touch at a consistent 14.4 degrees Celsius. Spectrometer readings measure its wavelength at 550 nanometers, which confirms its green hue at a low bandwidth, implying these solid structures seem to somehow be made of pure laser light. Peculiarly, when the objects are removed from the mountings in the interior of Object T13, they appear to quantumly lock in space in relation to the alien vessel. They resist movement as if they are heavier than they appear, all requiring exactly 0.7023 joules of force to move, regardless of their size. 
If the object is truly made of laser light photons, it would theoretically possess no gravitational mass, making this effect possibly the result of inertial mass. If this were the case, it would mean these objects have a staggeringly high energy density, so much so that if it should somehow release this energy, the entire station would almost certainly be vaporized. I theorize these objects, pieces of species T13A technology, are, in fact, higher dimensional manifolds projected into our observable three-dimensional space. These objects may, in fact, be identical, but their apparent variations in size and shape may instead be the result of differences in the way they intersect with 3D space. Bombarding the objects with pulses of light changes these apparent properties. I hypothesize that Object T13 was controlled through these objects, each instance of Object T13A corresponding to the vessel's various subsystems. Excitedly, it appears that the manipulation of individual object T13A22 results in fluctuations in the properties of TN1343. The instance of object T13A must somehow be entangled with the micro black hole. This is perhaps the key to the ship's faster than light capabilities. I think Jack sits there for a second listening to it. Um... And then, again, tries to do the, like, hand, uh, like, at the bridge of the nose, like, looking up into the sky, forgets he has the exosuit on, smacks the suit. Um, <laughs> and he's like, this this is the most cockamamie sci-fi <laughs> bullshit I've heard in my life. And if I was not looking at it directly, I would think this was some sort of story. <laughs> Good word choice. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, Jack will go over the comms. Um, just says, uh, keep, keep an eye out for um, anything that, that's weird and glowing green. Um, you know, something that looks like it obviously shouldn't be real or defies all, uh, what did he say? Defies all expectations of logic of our reality or something. You'll, you'll know it when you see it. Um, it's, it's something weird that I think is maybe why there's a black hole here. Uh, I'll share you the the, uh, the log from this terminal if y'all want to listen to it. And he pushes set out to everyone. B, you hear that over your comms um, at the point you are now, by the way, mm-hmm. um, if you want to respond. Nope. Okay. Um, we'll come back to you in a second. Delphine and Seabold. So you two were going together to the greenhouse? No, I was going to go down to heavy storage, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, Delphine, you get to PMA 4.3 to go into module 4, and you hear... Green clearance required. Please present a green security fob. Isaac, what if I lost my security fob? No worries. You will simply have to create a ticket with head of security, Lawrence Johnson. (laughs) Shall I make an appointment for you? You know what? Sure. (laughs) Yeah, when are they available, Isaac? (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. His next available appointment appears to be tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. Thanks. Pencil me in, Isaac. 9.30 a.m. Got it. I've added it to his calendar, but I apologize. My biometric ID systems are not picking up an identification signal. Do you mind providing your name? It's Delphine. Thank you, Delphine. You now have an appointment <laughs> with Head of Security Lawrence Johnson tomorrow Isaac, would you mind letting me through this door in the meantime, since I don't have a working fob? Certainly. Please present a green security fob. 
God damn it. Uh. <laughs> I both like love and hate Isaac, and I think that's valid. Yeah. <laughs> Delphine's gonna kick the door and then come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Seabold. So you're checking out the the heavy tools locker. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know what? It contains every piece of like heavy uh, repair type equipment and machinery you can think of. Sure. Okay. So there is a laser cutter here. It's actually the slightly newer model of the same brand that you have back on the ship. <laughs> of course, of course. There's actually two laser cutters, in fact, and many other tools. So, but like everything you would need to repair the exoloader, things to make repairs to the station. Sure. There's, you know, heavy equipment for moving this cargo and fastening it out to the external storage platform. Like basically all of that stuff. And much of this probably could be retrofitted as weapons in a pinch. Sure. Okay. Do I realistically think that the exoloader would be faster than trying to laser cut through the door? Um, the exoloader doesn't have a means of cutting. It's designed for, like, lifting and moving big, massive things. Sure. It doesn't yet. <laughs> What's better than Man. knife Roomba? Laser cutter exoloader. <laughs> give, give the Roomba a laser cutter. <laughs> How can this go wrong? It can't. It can't. It literally can't. Yeah. I mean, I could just do that. <laughs> do we want to put a laser cutter on the Roomba and then I remote control it? Step one, duct tape. Step two, <laughs> laser. Step three, question mark. Step four, profit. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So after you guys, I'll do that. Delphine, I imagine you come back to the others and saying the door, the door won't door. <laughs> yep, I'm stomping in zero Gs. It's fine. Stomping in zero G. You're holding, you're, you have one hand on the ladder to hold yourself down to the grounds just so you can stomp on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and as you say it, Siebel just goes, of course, I'm stupid, stupid. And it's just to himself. Jack, I guess meets back up. Well... We're stuck in here. I guess we better take a peek around. Um, maybe look for, uh, I hate to say this, maybe look for somewhere someone might go to die in uh, the case of extreme stress. Um, so probably the external storage platform, I guess. <laughs> Jack says uh, in, in a voice that is chipper in a way that you know he is trying not to think about the fact that there is a station full of dead people, which I see also has a door lock, which... Uh, or an airlock, rather, which I imagine as Jack looks over to it probably also fills him with dread as he realizes he's probably not going to be able to get through that either. Well, by its name, the external storage platform is not another module. It is an external platform. They store things that can be okay in the vacuum, mm. things that don't need to be stored in an atmosphere um, just because space is a premium on any space station or ship. So whatever you can store on the roof will go on the roof. <laughs> Well, yeah. That's what the ESP is. ESP is actually a thing the International Space Station has. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but... Um, yeah. yeah. When If you don't have space, use space. Yeah, use space. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess since I'm assuming Jack's the only one in an exosuit at the moment, he'll just clomp on over there and then uh, pop outside real quick, see what's hiding on the external storage platform. Yeah. B, you're in Module 7, the PMA to Module 8. Right. Uh, did you go to the Isaac Terminal? No. Okay. What does B want to do? B wants to find the monster. Um, do I... 
so I've got like a feel for how soon the reactor is blowing, so I know that it's blowing soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think B is straight up like going to is there um like a handhold or a ladder or something in the in the airlock that I'm in or the junction or I can't think of the name of it. There's a ladder back in module seven, probably about eight or ten feet in, that goes up a deck. But there's nothing for me to hang on to if I were to open this door. No. I know there's a chance of as- of asphyxiation, but yeah. So um, you would have to override Isaac's system to get the door open. That or blow it open with explosives or force it open otherwise somehow. Um, ah. You don't have security clearance to open it when there's no pressure on the other side. Like the computer has locked it down. Okay. As a security precaution. Okay. Um. Then. I guess, yeah, she does go to the eyes. I don't know what else to do if I, like, if I can't go through that door and the monster is not here, I cannot press progress forward, but we know it comes from this direction, so she's going to camp out here, so she might as well check out the terminal. Sure. You turn to go look at the terminal, and you see somebody back in Module 6. Oh, do I? Yeah. Okay. Gun up. I start investigating. Yeah, you head that direction. You see what looks like a crew worker? Enter the airlock to where the other ship is. Stop. You say that, they glance at you, their eyes are wide, and they enter the airlock and they shut it. So someone's alive. Uh, Do I recognize them by any chance? No, you don't. Mm. Okay. B's going to try to get in there. Okay. Um, You you head forward into that to try to get there. Um, We're going to go back to Jack. Mm -hmm. Um, Jack, you enter the airlock and shut it behind you. And then there's controls to depressurize the airlock, which takes a couple minutes. And then the exterior door opens as soon as you command it to do so. Yeah. Hanging on to the railing inside the airlock here as the door opens and you just see in front of you probably a football field sized like platform of scaffolding with shipping crate containers lined and stacked and bolted together and attached to the armature. And you look up and just black hole. Yeah. It doesn't make a sound, but it's emotionally it's it does. massive. It's it, emotionally it makes a sound. <laughs> yes, very notably in space, no one can hear you in space. I need you to make a sanity check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you are looking at a black hole with literally nothing between you and it. This is the stuff of hypothetical, you know, thought experiments and you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson videos from 100 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. This is an episode of Star Talk. God. All right. Um, so Jack has a 28 insanity. So let's see how I do the save. I'm in the app and I'm trying to use it because I realize we've done a whole lot of not actually rolling. Here we go. Speak for yourself. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what you guys are here for. Um, <laughs> all right. Sanity roll. Oh, big fail. Um, not a critical fail, but it is a failure. Okay. Uh, so you take a stress sure. for one. And depending on how... Oh, y- hey, it already did it for me. Thanks, App. Oh, should I retroactively take a stress for failing before? Yeah, you always take a stress when you fail. I fucked up. Hold on, let me make sure I take that down. Okay. Yeah. And and as a reminder, your stress stays upon loops, even if your health yeah. or body or whatever resets. Yeah. Is there, a, is there a threshold where if we accumulate enough stress, bad things happen? Uh, yes the higher your stress is, the more likely you are to panic. The maximum stress you can have is 20. Oh. Okay. Okay. 
I also have uh, panic checks are rolled when the worst has happened and your character snaps, but I'm not sure if that's if that seems to be more of a when you decide. So you always make a panic check whenever you roll a critical failure, regardless of what it is. But I think we've done that. We've only, I think, had one pit critical failure so far. That sounds right. Yeah, that, that was mine. Yeah, in episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, as your stress increases, it's just making it more likely to fail a panic check when it ever comes time for you to roll a panic check. Got it. So you just kind of feel that that like kind of stomach-turning dread of seeing a black hole with your own eyeballs. Yeah. But uh, you, you're good. Okay. Does Jack also see the alien vessel? No. Interesting. You, you do not see anything that appe- that uh, looks like it could be an alien vessel. Okay. Because I mean, yeah. I guess that was my question. If we look, if if Jack is on the the external storage platform, he should theoretically, aside from the black hole. Uh, maybe be able to see module 12B, module 9B, and or the docked vessel. Yeah, so looking out, you see the unknown vessel docked to module 6. Um, it does not look alien. Oh. Uh, you've seen it at a distance before when you were trying to flee the station. It looks like another um, like kind of industrial, like kind of corporate class ship. Similar in size to the, the clusterfuck. Uh, not, as, um, not, as, like, in, not as industrial. Um, but definitely like a corporate ship of some sort. Okay. I don't, I don't know if maybe I just assumed that was the, uh, the alien vessel or not, but good to know for later. Yep. Now across module nine, um, you can see module nine B, which looks interesting. This is the closest you've seen it. Um, it doesn't look like regular modules. It actually looks like it's inflatable. Oh, um, it looks like rigid, but, um, it's not made out of like segmented pieces um it looks like it may have been much smaller like transported much smaller and then when it was pressurized it ballooned out um and it is in fact like the size of like module three that you just exited or module nine or six or twelve interesting um so it's it's bigger than most of the modules but it's not like a rigid standard module like everything else I'm guessing it's probably too far away to see any, like, particulars inside of it. Um, there's not any windows that you can see. It almost looks like a, like, a giant, like, cylindrical balloon. Interesting. Okay. Good to know. Did you say there were... I'm sorry, did you describe what, what else was bolted down out here on the storage platform? As Jack tries to turn his eyes from the... <laughs> yeah. It looks like it's all, like, like cargo containers. Got it. Um... Yeah, you're not seeing, like, really a whole lot of anything itself out here, but it's, like, cargo containers that presumably house any variety of supplies or tools or anything. Uh, And (laughs) as you're standing here, kind of observing everything, you look up and watch modules 10 and 10B explode. God damn it! Oh, great. And I need you to make a body save I was waiting for it. I was like, it's going to happen. Oh, heck. You know, this is fine. And I think you have disadvantage given the situation. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Amazing. God. Okay. Save, body, disadvantage, roll. Oh, boy. That's a critical failure. That's a 77. Oh, Amazing. Jack, you lose your handhold. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Cool. 
you're standing here holding holding on to the airlock looking out over the external storage platform taking in the details of the things on the platform the modules you can see as like the big ring basically goes out to the left and the right and connects you know thousands and thousands of feet on the other side and all under this oppressive black hole above and module 10b the fusion generator detonates destroying most of module 10 dealing significant damage uh to the exteriors of module 9 and module 11 and you lose your grip and you begin tumbling up and out okay end over end two quick questions for you sure because we just went over this uh i think that means i need to make a panic check is that right sure does um jack has trauma response which means he can take that with advantage once per session Okay. Um, so i'm gonna do that and i got a success actually i guess it didn't let me pick advantage on it um but i got a success okay so that's neat okay you don't panic (laughs) as you're seeing the external storage platform turtling beneath you then the rest of the station and then the black hole and then this platform again and then the rest of the other half of the ring of the station and then the black hole and then just over and over and over as you're tumbling end over end and over end drifting further and further out what do you do um quick question does the exosuit have any sort of jets or anything that i can use to stabilize myself that would be um, a specific, uh, like, EVA suit um, that has, like, a thruster pack okay. on it. Um, that's not what this is. This is basically a glorified flight suit. Um, it's not actually rated for, like, any extensive EVA work. It works in a pinch. It works to take a peek outside. But it's, you know, not designed for spacewalks um, to this degree. Okay. Real quick, inside, Delphine, Seabold and B. The entire station shakes, and at this point, all the lights go red um, as the entire station is now on auxiliary power. All right. Um, Because Jack is not panicking at the moment, there are a number of ideas that flash through Jack's head of varying degrees of permanence, or what would be permanence if uh, we weren't stuck in a time loop. Um, And uh, he calms back to everyone, says... Uh, Major Tom to ground control. Uh, so I'm uh, taking an unplanned flight here off into uh, into the wild black beyond. I have a little bit of an idea, but I uh, if this doesn't work, I might see you on the next roll through. And what Jack is going to do, or attempt to do, is pull out his gun and time it such that while he is hurtling through space... Um, over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he can get a good gauge, pun intended, on mm-hmm. when he would be able to shoot uh, such that he would launch himself back towards the platform, um, basically using the recoil of the gun in space to uh, mm-hmm. to shoot him backwards. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like this. This could work. Uh, I think the chances are unlikely. I think they are also unlikely. Because the, the one thing that you've noticing is while you're spinning out away, like from the the force of the, the shock waves of the explosion, you do find yourself being pulled towards the black hole just a little bit so far. But uh, so it's not just your momentum that you're fighting against now, but the pull, which is still it's still distant. Yep. Um, and so I think if you can affect your trajectory enough, this could work, but it's. It's going to be a long shot. I'm going to ask you to make me 
um, a firearms check. You can use anything you think is relevant. I'll let you use. You can add zero G. That would be cool. Because we established last episode that you're proficient in zero G. This is 100 uh, percent. <laughs> that's gonna All right. apply. Let me let me ask you this: Would uh, perhaps moving a body through open space count as piloting? No. <laughs> oh my God. You've gone too far. Uh. <laughs> is this storage platform not enclosed at all? No, it's not. It's it, it, oh. every meaning of the word external storage. Platform. I mean, I figured yeah. I figured there was like at least like a, a cage, like a loose cage around this. Like certainly like they don't care about insulating this or anything. But like, I don't know, like just in case like physics happens and things go flying. You would know they would probably be treated because, uh, like, you've w- worked and like moved cargo onto similar sure. storage platforms. Yeah. It's treated like an EVA, where normally you would clip a tether to various clip holds all sure. the way along. Got you. Or be using like uh, an EVA, like thruster pack, to kind of just put around and actually have some form of navigational control as you're floating around out there. Yeah. Jack was just taking a look out the window and didn't have an opportunity to like clip a tether to anything. Mm -hmm. No. uh, Because he didn't actually go out there. So now that now that's (laughs) now that's why we are here. Yep. So yeah, I'll let you add zero G to this check, Jack. You can make a a normal, I guess, gun roll, but use your uh, add zero G to it. I don't want to be a dick, but I do think this roll is with disadvantage given the situation. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. I yeah. I will well we'll get to that when it comes to it, um, so I guess important question: Am I making a skill check or a combat check? Because um, I guess with guns normally you uh, yeah it'd be combat. I'm gonna say this is a skill check. Okay. Um, let me let me pitch you this. Um, sure. Lay it on me. How would you feel about either speed or intellect, given that this is a needing to react quickly? and also requires some brain smarts, or at least reaction time, um, mm-hmm. plus the uh, the zero-G at disadvantage. Or do you um, want it to be combat? Because I guess combat is also a skill, or a stat. I mean, like, combat plus zero-G or intellect or speed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'll let you do... You know what? I'll leave it up to you. Whatever you want to roll. I, I think I think an argument can be made for combat here. Um, you'll add zero-G regardless. So whatever well of knowledge and skills that Jack wants to rely on to pull off this maneuver, I will allow however you want to describe it. All right. I think um, Jack knows he's got six bullets in the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to he's going to wait for what he hopes is exactly the right moment. Cause I'm assuming he's not spinning like extremely fast. He's just sort of hurtling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's just going to take a, take a deep breath, just try and focus. And then all in one quick burst, he's going to shoot five out of six of those shots. So we're going to do a speed plus zero G at disadvantage, which for those of you who care would be, I need a 59 or less. And I got a 68. Okay. Yeah. Bang, 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 bang. And your timing is just slightly off. You do feel the, the kick of the gun push you back a little bit, but your your momentum and the pull of this black hole is pulling you vertically too much. And while you do start listing backwards towards where you came from, you are far too high. And you begin drifting further up 
and up and up, and the black hole is the only thing in your future at this point. All right, that plan failed. I'll, uh, I'll just see you on the next loop. Don't wait up. With the remaining bullet, Jack will reset himself to the next run. Hi, Andy, a.k.a. Bam, a.k.a. B here. I wanted to take a moment to stress that suicide is a very serious and triggering topic, and the use of it here has not been taken lightly. Before starting this season, this and many other tough topics were discussed with the entire cast, and multiple check-ins happened around and after this episode. Never underestimate the use of safety tools in your games, friends. If you need time after this episode, take it. We needed to decompress as a group for over an hour after this recording, so please be sure to take care of yourself. If you find yourself in the isolating position of contemplating suicide, please know that you are not alone and there are people who can help. In the U.S., dial 988 to reach the Suicide Prevention Hotline. I have in the past, and it saved me. Internationally, you can find helpful resources at the International Association for Suicide Prevention website at IASP.info. A link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And remember that all of us here at Derailed love you and appreciate you. Back on Twirl, I was a nobody. I got teleported out here, and here I'm something. I'm somebody. The Voidfarer begins maneuvering towards this 200-meter-long space whale. To handle one of these, you need grit. Is that something you have? I'm a tiny little guy. Of course I got grit. If you tried anything, it would end very poorly for you. This alithid dreadnought warps away, accelerating the spell jamming speed as quickly as they arrive. Who the fuck? What am I trying to say here, Ravnus? That we're crew. I like that. We're crew. That is a natural one. You send yourself sailing out the side of the ship, untethered. Oh. I'm putting a python into the ground. I'm wrapping my rope around it, but I'm jumping into the gravity well. (laughs) A gnome, a halfling, and a half-orc walk into a bar. I forget the middle part, but the punchline is feathers everywhere, and that's not my peanut butter. I cast Tasha's idiot's laughter. (laughs) Climb aboard for Tales of the Voidfarer, wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, my consequences have actions. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) wait, wait, wait. Why do you want to be a hero? Yeah, she's gonna sort of like uh, drop down out of the sky and try to kick him like, you know, square in the chest. Look, I don't know what you're fucking trying to do here, but I don't make deals with enemies who put grenades in a box like they're the $5 movie bin. Release mystery, or you all will be the ones that are extinct. I don't know if I can have an honest conversation with Royale as a corgi. You're right, it's fucking not funny. I mean, literally no one would find this funny. Use the dragon filter that would make it funny. It's just like man standing emoji. Just T posing in the corner. <laughs> Who is your contact? Benchmark. Who? Hey, I just need Buzz Nest for like one minute and then you guys can go back to whatever you were doing. Check out season two of Cape Chronicles starting Wednesday, October 5th, every first and third Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. File folders contain important information. 
Hey, I'm Saker. And I'm Evan. And our podcast is It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. Hey, what's that podcast about, Ev? So, do you know of a band called Bare Naked Ladies? One week. Yeah, yeah, that's one of them. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Do you ever want to learn more about them? Or... Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, well, then this is the podcast for you because we teach you nothing with various guests. Yeah, like uh, like Matt Besser. Holy shit. Climbed in a second story window and partied in this house where we barely didn't know at all the people that was crazy holy fuck mike mitchell why well, I, I don't know how how like how much you guys really do love bare naked ladies justin mcelroy grab your tongue grab your tongue and i want you to say Our born tongue. on a pirate ship you were born on a pile of shit and many more so check it out but also if you don't like bare naked ladies we talk about them probably like a third of the time so. uh yes that's every Tuesday, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We can make a board game about it. ProjectDerailed.com